Hey everyone, welcome back to On Point. This episode, I sit down with Robbie from Blood Origins, which is a nonprofit that basically promotes hunting and, and the truth around hunting to folks that really don't understand what we do, how we do it, or even the why and why it's important that we do what we do. But he does it for across the world. He'll, he'll advocate for African hunting and safaris. He'll help you know prevent bear bans over here on the West Coast like we face this spring. And the message and the way that he goes about it, I completely buy in and I believe in it. And I think Robbie is exactly what the hunting industry needs. And I, I actually do donate now to his organization. Um, and I suggest anybody that likes his message, that likes the way that he goes about, you know, portraying the message and advocating for you and, and for the future of hunting that you donate, you know, three bucks a month, whatever it may be. Um, this is one of the only ones that this is the only one that I donate to uh, that I completely believe in. And since this, I've uh, started volunteering at the local level at uh, Oregon Hunting Association at the, at the local level. I'll be on the local chapter here. Um, but yeah, I mean, walk the walk, talk the talk, make sure that you're being a good advocate. And f based off of what we face this spring with all the bear bands over here in Washington and in California that were defeated, thank God, um, you know, this is a very important topic and, and a very important time to go over it. So I appreciate you guys for listening. He has a lot of really great insights and perspectives into things, even things that I never even, never even thought of. So appreciate you, Robbie, for coming onto the show. Appreciate everybody for listening. And I hope you enjoy. I'll see you at the end. I appreciate you for coming on. What do you say we get this thing rolling? Yeah, let's do it, man. I appreciate you asking me. And I'm always humbled and grateful to speak to people about, you know, what we do and why we do it. Um, I'll never, you know, it's funny. I'll never turn a, t a podcast down because <laughs> the reason being, obviously, you get an opportunity to talk to people that you may never meet. You'll never, you know, be mm -hmm. able to communicate. Each person, each podcast has its own community. But... I'm also just, you know, I, I built Blood Origins from from a passion, and it still is a passion. Um, I, I, I built it because I needed to understand why I hunted. I built it for my boys. I built it. I just, I built it for us, right? I built it for you, Garrett. I built it for all your listeners. I didn't build it for me. Um, and so when people ask me, hey, I want you to come on and talk about Blood Origins, I'm always like completely humbled. And I use that word a lot because I am like when, you know, I'll walk around a convention like Western Hunt, Western Hunter convention. Right. And I'll introduce myself to people and nobody knows who I am, which is good. Right. I've even had some podcast hosts at the beginning when we did the introduction, They're like, man, I'm sorry to ask this question, but I don't even know what your name is. <laughs> and I said, that's amazing. That's exactly what I want because I'm not supposed, you're not supposed to know Robert Kroger. But when I introduced myself and I'm Robbie Kroger and I said, yeah, I built Blood Origins, they're like, oh, I've heard about Blood Origins. And that's just like, you know, that's huge for me. So, yeah, thank you. Well, you know, I, I'll be shocked, uh, honest. I'm like, I was like, well, maybe he'll probably say no, but I'll, I'll invite him anyways. You know, maybe, maybe I can guilt trip him in with my $3, you know? <laughs> but, um, so when you said yes, I was like, Hey, you know, like, I feel like, uh, I told my wife, I'm like, you know, I kind of, I think I have kind of a bigger name on, I, you know, I, I don't think he promotes himself like that, but I think, I think people are catching wind of who he is and what he's doing, you know? And, and, um, she's like, Oh, good for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm like, 
Um, you'll never guess, but he's uh, he's from Africa. But you never guess that he lives in apparently Mississippi, which I just found out. Right. But that's right. Um, so I would love for the audience to kind of hear a little bit more about you before we get into this, Robbie. You know, like you, you we we're talking before the podcast, and and uh, just kind of give me the the little bit of a rundown that you gave me, and a little bit about yourself and how uh, you're from South Africa. Yeah, originally from South Africa, moved to Mississippi in 2003, uh, learned to hunt in Mississippi, uh, sort of cut my teeth and evolved as a hunter in Mississippi. I still live in Mississippi uh, almost 16 years later, 17 years later. I've moved three times in the state. I have not left the state yet. <laughs> I've, st- yes. studly, I've steadily made my way south and I'm as south as it can go now. I'm 200 yards from the beach. Um, I have two small boys. I'm married to a girl from Memphis, Tennessee. I have two small boys, nine and seven, Leo and Eli. The oldest one is um, named after my grandfather, uh, who was the the big hunter in the family. He's hunted in Siberia in the 20s and 30s and hmm. hunted Africa in the heyday in the 50s and 60s. And uh, I just never got to hunt, obviously, based on where I was raised. And uh, you know, people say you're from South Africa. You should have you should have hunted. No, I was raised in a city, eight and a half million people. So was it Johannesburg or what? Yeah, Johannesburg. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, that's where uh, when, when my, me and my wife went over there, we landed in Johannesburg and then flew into Windhoek uh, in Namibia, and then we hunted there. But um, yeah, I mean, our <laughs> you sounded shocking when I told you. I'm like South Africa for us wasn't very friendly, <laughs> and so you said. Well, no, well, that's the thing. You just you when you meet a South African, we're always you know we have a zest for life. We we love people. We love we enjoy uh, interacting with people, and we enjoy you know we play hard and we work hard. We work really hard. South Africans are the same all around the world. You meet a South African in the states, they work their asses off. Hmm. Uh, I would so. uh, I would love to hear um, your kids talk just to see if there's a Southern South African dialect going on there. No, there's no dialect. It's full Mississippi redneck. Is it really? <laughs> oh yeah, the littlest okay. one is the worst. The littlest one has such a drawl. It's it's like what happened. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah we had to we had to uh, tell their teachers that hey, if he's you know if he starts saying bath or grass or you know, it's just that his dad is, you know, has a he's a foreigner, so you just got to forgive him. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get into uh, in, into blood origins, man. And and the last um, straw that broke the camel's back for me before, um, and and for the guys that are listening, I I support um, the blood origins. I am a patron, if that's what you want to call me, a patron uh, um, supporter. I do. I, I, I call yeah. you a supporter. Yeah, I, I do. A, you know, I only do the three bucks a month, but you know, that's that's probably going to be upped and everything here, um, but. I started off with three bucks a month and then the, what really made me want to do it was watching you um, react and, and talk about the bear bills that were going on on my side of the neck of the woods. And at that time, um, I thought he lived in South Africa. I'm like, how in the hell is this guy keeping track of what we're doing all the way over here? Like this guy must never sleep. And then uh, uh, it makes a little bit more sense now that you're here in Mississippi, but um, seeing you, seeing you kind of attack that issue and, and the way you approached it. And I, I just felt like you come at it from such a, from a, a neutral standpoint, like you're not biased on either side. However, you are pro, you know, like it, it just Correct. really, it, it, it attracted me to, to really start paying attention to you. And, Correct. um, really, I, I just see it all the time is, <laughs> 
and it just drives me nuts. I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that hates bears or wolves. I don't hate an, you know, really an animal minus snakes. I don't like snakes, but, um, the, just to hate an animal for what it, it you know, doing what it's supposed to do just seems kind of silly. And I just feel like, uh, there's a lot of guys out there that we're, we're, we're swinging a net out in the air and we're trying to catch all these people that we need their votes and we need their support, but yet we, we don't care on the, when it actually counts and stuff. And I feel like you portray that really well. So would you mind kind of going over what exactly blood origins does and, and, and how you stay up with all the bills that are going on? Cause there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And now's the season, right? So it's legislative season. That's why everyone's like, Whoa, so much stuff is coming at us. Well, yeah. Yes and no. Uh, yes, there's a little bit more emboldenedness to people to put forward legislation against hunting, um, but it's it's just the season. All states, their legislature is currently in session. Um, I do not sleep very much. Um, I have a lot of friends that send us a lot of content that keep us in the loop. We have we have very strong friends. If there was another organization, I would ask you to support. It would be the Sportsman's Alliance. Hmm. Uh, the Sportsman's Alliance are the people that are literally fighting in the States all every day, all day, um, forming coalitions against these anti-hunting bills. What I like about Sportsman Alliance, just like we, they are non-political, i.e. it doesn't matter if you're blue or red. If you're against hunting, we're against you. Um, Interesting. And it's interesting you say, I, you know, one of the things that we purposely set out in Blood Origins to do is the mission is simple. The mission is convey the truth around hunting. That is also, you know, when you tell the truth, it means you also have to point out the lies. And it doesn't mean that hunting is on a pedestal in which it doesn't do anything wrong. And so it's, it's a matter of as you said, it's, we, we, we take a tone that's very even keeled. We take a tone that's very neutral. We take a tone that looks, you know, it's the, it's the Christian saying, right? It's in the Bible. I'm not going to point out the, this, uh, the plank that's in, I'm not going to point out the speck that's in your eye until I point out the plank that's sitting in mine. Hmm. Um, and so it's, it's important for us to be introspective. It's important for us to look at ourselves and ask the hard questions, ask the hard truths, you know, about us and not shy away from it. And what I've realized is you have to be, I'm not so worried about the people who engage us. I'm doing it for the people who watch us. A lot more people watch you than you know. There's a lot more people that watch you than engage with you. And when they watch you, they watch you do a couple of things. They watch you speak. They watch you. They understand the rhetoric. They understand just like you'd come talk to me like, hey, you come across like this. Well, everyone's seeing me come across like that. When they watch me comment between people, like someone's, you know, jumps on there and says, oh, you're just a bloodlusting killer, you MFer. Yeah. Our typical social media response will be, well, you're an MF or two. <laughs> right. Our response is, hey, I understand why you're upset. Let's talk a little bit more about it. Let me understand why it makes you so upset. Do you feel that engaging online, um, does it really move the needle at all? Because that seems to be one of the things. 100%. That 
you do like so like on an instagram post and you and you take the time to actually be nice 100 percent. you think that moves the needle 100 percent. interesting because you don't know who's watching so it's not maybe directly to that guy, but there might be somebody else that's reading the comments and just you know yeah. eating the popcorn. You can't emojis. to that to that one person. Is it does it is it constitute your time to spend two hours going through a thread of conversation with that individual? Maybe, maybe not. We we seem to be very good at it. We seem to turn those individuals from calling us MFers to thanks. I never really understood it that way, but thank you for pointing that out. I see those comments. Okay, that's a win. That's yeah. a win for us. But more of the win is the 100 people that watched us engage. Hmm. All the 150 people, all the 100 people that watched us engage and now are going to do the same thing on other posts. That makes sense. And now you've got this exponential push out, right? Just because they watched us how we engaged and the manner we engaged in and the respect we gave that individual. So I guess... For for me personally, I mean, I've 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 seen a, I've seen it go both ways, and I'm sure anybody that doesn't even try very hard can see, you know, the interactions of somebody that doesn't take your route and just says, "Well, you're wrong," and you're a bit blah 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 blah, and and it just doesn't take the high road. Um, you know, it doesn't. It, would you? It's kind of like that old saying: "Would you rather catch more flies with honey than vinegar, or whatever it's called?" You know, I've, I'm probably butchering that saying, but um, it just for me, I just. It seems like the common misconception for me out there, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're going to have a better idea than this, because this is what you do, is it seems like a lot of folks don't understand we hunt and we eat what we kill. And they they just, trophy hunting is like a blanket term for anybody that ever poses with an animal, shoots an animal, anything. I mean, anything. And it just, it, for me, it just seems like that is for what I've seen to be one of the biggest misunderstandings of what we do is is everybody's a trophy hunter and no one eats the meat you know like i the guy from california the other day you probably remember his name is just saying oh cougar hunting should be banned because we don't eat cougars or bear hunting should be banned because we don't eat bears it's like where where are you getting this man like well they don't know that there's a wanton waste law for bears in california you have to take all the meat with you right right no it's it's uh it's an interesting you know trophy there's a couple of things words terminology that i think we are never ever ever going to settle the trophy hunter is one that we're never going to settle we're never going to get rid of it 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 should be better termed selective hunting that's exactly what it is you're selecting an animal to take more often than not it's a mature male animal it's a selection it's a selective hunter okay you could also call it when you look at it from a if you want to make it more consequential. So when you think about, I always like to talk in, uh, in terms of motivation versus consequence. Mm-hmm. Trophy hunter is a motivational term because your motivation to hunt is the trophy. And so here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the trick and here's the kicker actually. Me, you, the vast majority if not everyone hunts for either the meat or the trophy, let's be honest. Okay. You're being selective to find the oldest, maturest animal on the mountain. That is your trophy, quote unquote. So it's a motivation. The consequence 
would be that you're a conservation hunter because of the tag that you bought, because of the the, ga- the guns and the bullets and the ammunition, uh, sorry, the bullets and the camo and everything that you bought that has an excise tax on it here in the US that gets funneled back into state conservation agencies. Uh, all the money that you spend on an African safari that goes to the conservancy that you hunted with in Namibia, that goes to the jobs, to the chefs, to the skinners, to the trackers, to the schools down the road, to the teacher's salaries down the road, to the medical facility that got built by the outfitter. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the consequence of hunting. That's the conservation hunter, right? Okay. Conservation hunting, like trophy hunting. However, you didn't go to Namibia to hunt for conservation. No, I we went over there, um, and quite honestly, it was uh, it was the first actual vacation. I'd say I'd almost call it a vacation, like a hunting vacation. Is kind of what it was, and 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 it was uh, it was it was just different. It was just really different. And we didn't go over there for the meat. You know, I can't. You can't. Say, I can't say. No, it. you can't. You yeah. can't go there for the meat because you can't bring it back. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's out the windows. And so I guess it, you know, it was a. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I honestly, I since I've done it, I, I, I still haven't decided if it's for me, for me or not, because I went all the way half around the world um, to go kill, you know, some animals that I've desired my whole life. But then I'm just, I'm not joy killing. I don't know if you even call it joy killing, because I mean, I, I think that is a little bit degrading to what we do. But I don't know I, I hasn't ever sat completely 100% well with me since I I went over and I did it. I do like the consequence of what happens where the money goes and stuff um and in supporting the locals and you know just getting to know the locals and and how the localities of everything worked. I love that. I love the people aspect of it. Um but traveling halfway around the world and and not being able to enjoy and and, and cook and do all that stuff kind of turn me off. I don't know. Do you think it. you would enjoy it more if it was more adventure style? Because you said you went there to bow hunt. Yeah, you know, I think I would have liked it more. Um, but knowing that, you know, I could butcher and, and eat the animal while I'm there, and then whatever we don't gets whatever may happen to it donated or what. But happened. that's that should have happened in your with your outfit. It didn't. It didn't. What? Um, yeah. So ours was. Um, I said it's very important to me that whatever I kill, I, I consume at least some of it, you know, out of respect for the animal. I need, to, I need to eat some of it. Yeah, of course. Um, and, and, and it basically, it was just repackaged and sold for more. So for there more are, a, yeah. So there's a, um, so typically three things happen. One, if it's a, a sustainable operation, like for instance, in Niasa, I'll give you an example, Niasa, Mozambique. Mm-hmm. I went there two Novembers ago. I didn't hunt. People were hunting around me and, like the guy would have, he shot an elant on Friday. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, we were having elant liver for starters. Hmm. You know, it was elant backstrap for mains. You know, the animals used, and then it's creating it's dry meat for the community. Um, in Mozambique, they don't have a, they, you know, they don't sell their venison, so it's a different model. South Africa and Namibia, they can sell the venison. They can make some more money off of the meat yep. but a lot of the time the meat goes to the communities just depends on this on the on the outfit that, that makes more sense well i was expecting that and i didn't i wasn't expecting for it to be repackaged and sold or whatever and i'm like man like that you know like the the you know like all the meat is given to locals i don't have that 
to grab onto and feel good about. And so I just, I don't know, it kind of just churned me off, but you know, and, and say, I can see that. you know, it just, um, and I've always heard, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but you know, the, the, the stages of a hunter's life, have you ever heard that the three stages and sure. And sure. I just, I don't know. I, I kind of fluctuate depend and also depends on the species. Cause elk, I just, <laughs> my kryptonite man. <laughs> so elk, I'm like in a completely different stage than deer, but, um, I guess uh, I'm getting a little off topic here, but I, I, I want to get some information from you on if someone is wanting to go out and move the needle and basically be a better advocate and wants to be a better ambassador. Um, in your in your mind, what, were, what would be some of the first steps that somebody should take in order to help out locally or statewide or what, you know, what, what would you point people to do? Yeah, I would say number one, Obviously, look at introspectively in yourself, uh, firstly, in terms of what you're posting, in terms of your who you're showing you, yourself to be as a hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, put the lens of a non-hunter in front of you, a window, you're looking through this window. And if you're a non-hunter, what is that person seeing of you? So your narrative, I would change that. But then whatever floats your boat, right? Are you a duck hunter? Are you an elk hunter? Are you a you know, turkey guy, uh, support those respective, you know, chapters and get involved at the local level. And there's a bunch of stuff happening, right? There's a bunch of good restoration projects happening all over the, all over the place uh, from a species perspective. And then once you're a part of them, you know, you can just like, you know, we're talking here, like you said, you're going to, you know, rubber on me because you paid three bucks a month, but, <laughs> but that's what it is, right? It's yeah. almost like now you, you pay, you're a member that comes with certain rights and those rights are that you can, Hey, you know, I want to get involved at the chapter level. I want to have some influence. I think that there's too many, I think there's too many turkeys on our tag in Mississippi. I want to do something about it. Okay, the only way you're going to do something about it is to interact at the chapter level and then talk to politicians. And, you know, when you hear legislation come up, let your voice be heard. You know, that's that's an important part. The legislative process that we're in right now is is critical, man. You don't have an I you have no idea. I would say 90% of the hunters out there have no idea what's happening from a regulation perspective in their state every spring. That's probably pretty fair. Yeah. You know, what's being moved forward? What is being killed? What is, are there any pro hunting bills being moved forward? Are there, there's, 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 there's a lot more anti hunting bills than pro hunting bills, but there's a couple of places like Montana right now is a, has a very pro hunting bill that's moving forward for hound hunting, mm. uh, for bears. Uh, I think Pennsylvania or Connecticut has a, uh, increasing the amount of hunting that can happen on a Sunday. The fact that, that you know that law is still in the books <laughs> is a bit antiquated. Doesn't make but, sense, but yeah. But you know, clawing back some ground, right? That you just that you have to. Yeah. So yeah, I would say just that that would be my process. It sounds like uh, a lot of a lot of what you have to go through is word games uh, with a lot of people uh, re rewording um, trophy hunting into like a, a more you know sustainable like. I work in the logging industry and I know exactly kind of where your head's at when you, when you have to talk about that stuff, you have to package it in a different way, even though the same thing's really going on, you have to sell it in a different way to where you're using modern verbiage for something that is, 
just not been working. So we, you know, uh, sustainable forestry is something that we, we use in, in logging and it sounds way better than just logging, right. Or sustainable logging or just uh, clear cutting. Well, sustainable forestry is clear cutting. It's the same thing. It's just right. And so I, I've been, I've used the term, um, with non-hunter sustainable hunting, cause that sounds way better. I just kind of ripped that off of my job, but, um, what, at what point, um, does, does one really need to focus on, 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 on the wordplay or, you know, and, and it, it sounds to me, I think it's super, super huge, right? Word. I mean, it is wordplay. Um, in, in your mind, um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? I just, I just feel like a lot of it is, is just trying to get the right message across. Even if you're talking about the same thing, you're just calling it something different. Yeah. Everything is messaging in this world. And I had a long conversation actually today at about five o'clock with a friend of mine out of New York. And I'll use the one that is coming to a head. It comes to a head every time we talk, you know, trophy hunting is, is a moniker, but this idea of between harvest and kill. Okay. Um, I know where I'm at on this one. I want to hear where you're at on this one. So I said it to my friend in New York. I said it like this. I said, hunting the, the act of hunting has killing involved. It's the finality of what we do. We kill. Okay. We all get it. Uh, is it something that is, is it an aggressive term? Is it a harsh term? Yes. Is it a harsh, aggressive term to hunters? No. <clears throat> but I don't know the answer to this question. If we had to survey non-hunters, the non-hunter majority. And we had to ask them if we were describing hunting and when we take an animal, I like to use the word take, when we take an animal and we use the word harvest versus the word kill, does that make hunting more palatable in your eyes? You're I don't know me. the answer. No, no, okay. I, I'm, it's a hypothetical question Got because me. I don't know the answer to that. Now, if the answer to that was indeed yes, then why are we worried about the accuracy of the term harvest versus kill? Because if it if it's if it's if it's something that the non-hunting majority says that's that's better for us, why does it matter? Right. Um, but I understand that we shouldn't shy away from talking about killing. We shouldn't shy away from knowing that hunting has killing in it. And that is true. But if you knew that the word themselves and you talking about it just elicited a response or put them on a, put the discussion already on a pedestal that you just can't get around, why would you use the term? Makes sense. So, but that's, a, again, it's an eternal debate. There's going to be some of us that are like, nope, I'm always going to use the word harvest. There's some of us that are always going to be like, hell no, I'm never going to use harvest. Screw you if you use harvest. I use kill. Right. And I love to kill. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if that's true. I think you love to hunt. Right. And... I think that there is some element of killing. Oh, no, sorry. Let me back up and say there is an element of killing tied to hunting, but it doesn't happen all the time because 
if I really pressed you and you, and you say, I love to kill, then why are you not volunteering down at the abattoir and killing <laughs> all you want? Yeah. Well, another good question is, is in, well, you're probably hate hunting then because you only kill like literally a thousandth of the, of the time, like you're hunting, let's just say a seven week hunt. I might kill a bull and that killing was actually like a matter of a few seconds out of that whole week. So if you're into killing, right. then hunting is not your sport. Like, and, and then the success rate around here, it's around 7% on some of these mm -hmm. units for, for bulls. Right. So it's just, and, and there was a recent post about you talking about that recently i remember um i just read that one today and, and i'm like man if people it was but you know hunters are blood you could recite it better than i could basically, basically yeah this the infographic that we put out today yes 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 yeah. i love that post and i'm like man he nail on the freaking head on that one man yeah it's just all data you know it's it's again when and, and we got a bit of a backlash on that today it was actually quite an interesting really? day yeah, it was an interesting day because a lot of people said, well, you're just making, you're making, what was the, the backlash was that we embarrassed hunters. How? That we're terrible hunters because our percentage of kill is so low. And I'm like, okay, if you read it that way, okay. <laughs> you know, but the way that I read it is that, you know, obviously we do it for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there's also a bunch of assumptions built into that, right? It's a white-tailed deer. There's uh, QDM principles tied to selectivity of take. Um, obviously, you've got youth hunting and whatnot. And, hey, there's also a bunch of people that buy licenses, like you said in the beginning, that don't ever go into the woods and hunt. Right. They just buy a license every year. And so when you tie the surveys to license sales, that's the kind of percentage you get. But at the end of the day, the infographic wasn't built and the whole point of blood origins isn't built for hunters. The point of the infographic was to non hunters to say, Hey, we understand that you have a perception around who we are and that we're killers. Well, let me show you the data that proves that <laughs> that's impossible. Yeah. And some guys are like, look how bad we suck. <laughs> like, you know, I don't get it. I mean, you can't make everybody happy. And that kind of segues me into a, into an area that um, I'm very passionate about because I'm a bow hunter. Do you bow hunt at all, Robbie? Are you much of a bow hunter? I like, I like to say it like this. I bow hunt. I am not a bow hunter. Copy. Okay. So you're, you're figuring it out. I sling an arrow or two every three weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 there's just so, there's no continuity in, in, in the hunting community, in my opinion. It's just so, it's so divisive and divided that you can't get hardly anybody, even inside like an archery community, you have crossbows who a lot of guys argue, well, they're not in the archery community because they're not, they're a gun, right? And then you have the trads, you have the compounds, you have the anybody in betweens. Um, you have three factions there. You have muzzleloaders. You have super muzzleloaders that'll shoot at you know eight hundred yards with it. It's just it's just silly. Um, you have all these different factions. How do you suggest or how do you go about uniting these fronts that should be united, but instead are just tearing each other down the whole time? Because that's one thing that. I would personally like to see the hunting community do a better job of. Yeah, I'm looking at my phone right now um, because I've got a post. I don't know when I'll drop it, but I got a post loaded. <laughs> 
And it was a post actually put on the Montana Bow Hunters Association page. They actually posted it. Okay. And it's this list of guns, crossbows, and uh, bows. And it's ma- it's mainly to show that bows are superior to both. Really? And I said this. My question is this. Stepping back from the table, does this graphic help or hurt hunting? Does this post divide our minority community and fracture us further? This example just happens to be tied to bow hunting, but it's to everything we fight about, long range, use of horses, use of optics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If we are to ensure that this lifestyle we cherish so much lives on for our kids and grandkids, we have to deal with the systemic issue that we have, internal fighting. You don't see the antis fighting among themselves. I don't. And so, yeah, I think that that is a systemic issue that we have that... You know, it's it's it, it can be behind closed doors, put in a private group, and that was in a private group, if just to to make sure I've got all the facts out there. But the hunter on hunter hate is, um, I think I've said it before. I think hunter on hunter hate will be the downfall of hunting, hmm. and I don't know if we can deal with it because of this. Is I think inherently. In us as hunters, we have this primal urge of competition. And it stems back to, you know, the the primitive days where the guy who slung the biggest deer around the fire pit when he, he came out from the woods was the one that the tribe celebrated Hmm. and was the one that got all the women and got all the food, the best cut of the food. And so there's just a there's a there's an inherent competition amongst us that and that always gonna there's always gonna be a jealousy vein tied to hunting. Mm. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to get over it, but I'll tell you what, the hunter on hunter hate is the best weapon that the anti hunters have against us. Well, you bring up a really good point that you never see the opposition arguing amongst themselves you know i mean i mean you might have one out trying to outdo the other in virtue signaling or something like that you know i'm more vegan than you are but you know i i just and 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 didn't you have a vegan hunter on your podcast or something recently or oh yeah yeah katie hargreaves yeah yeah from the uk yeah i just you know those are the types that like they're outliers yes they are but they're so valuable, I think, to our community. And you never, you just, I, I've just, I've hardly ever seen anybody ha- have people like that on their podcast. And that's another reason that I just really love what you do. It's just getting that different perspective. And, and it leads me into my next thing is, is it, you know, echo chambers, man. It's just, you have all these millions of thousands of groups per each state. You know, you have bow hunters. I have bow hunters of Oregon. I have long range hunters of Oregon. I have, actually have my own two groups in Oregon, right? Um, oh, I have addicted to bow hunting um, as another group, and and you know I'm on both sides of the spectrum because I love to shoot a thousand yards, but I also love to shoot you know get close to the animal and and, and get that experience as well. Um, and so I I really don't judge anybody, right? But at the same time, you know I'm I'm an outlier to to a point because I am so open to whatever use whatever you want, man. I really don't care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're following the law, you're doing it ethically. And you're, you're leaving me the heck alone when you're out in the woods and you're not, you know, 
walking up on a, while I'm on a stock and screwing me over, then do whatever you want, you know? So right. how do you prevent yourself from getting into an echo chamber? How do you know that you're in one and how do we pro- project ourselves, um, onto the ones that need to be hearing it the, the most? <laughs> I don't think hunters want to do that. Really? The vast majority of hunters want to talk to hunters. That's a good point. So, and, I, and I'm not saying they don't, they don't need to. Um, we at Blood Origins have decided to speak to non-hunters. That's who we speak with. Yes, our, we have a community of hunters that watch us, that follow us, that see what we do and interact with us. But our content is not designed for them. Our content is designed when a non-hunter sees it. They're like, whoa, I didn't know that about hunting. Oh, I never knew about that. Oh, I never knew about that. I had a lawyer call me from Los Angeles today, Hmm. you know, pissed off that Donald Trump Jr. loves to kill animals. Hmm. And I'm like, and he's a friend of mine. He's a friend of mine. And I said, well, look, let's just talk a little bit about hunting. And we talked a little bit. And I said, look, I want you to go to my YouTube and I want you to start. And I said, Mark, the only reason you're saying this is because you don't know any hunters. You have this perception based on this one individual that that's everyone is the same. I said, well, let me go on my YouTube channel, go to this is my why playlist. I've got 60 people from around the world telling you why they hunt. Mm -hmm. And you will not hear one time in those 60 people them say, we do it because we love to kill. Yeah. So it's, it's all. So that's what we do. I think the hunting community will always, and that it's perfectly okay to speak to the echo chamber, to speak to themselves, to speak to other hunters, because that is the community. You know, it's, it's there's no self, uh, there's no, there's no need uh, to go outside, but internally, I think there's also standards and ethics and, you know, things that you need to do and follow and uh, gently call people out as needed for, you know, stupidity that they decide to engage in um so (laughs) yeah well for me personally you know like for example one thing that drives me nuts but i don't i don't ever comment you know but it it does drive me nuts um is you know the you know i'm the animal but yet the hunter's like way back here to make the animal look bigger you know like i don't take those photos but i don't trash on people who want to take those photos and it just it's just stuff like that. I just see that, like you said, that's going to be the demise of, of hunting right there. If we can't get our own act together, then how are we ever going to fight an opposition that has their shit together like 100% and knows what that they don't like hunting and they don't like hunters? Pretty simple message, pretty simple agenda. And we're all worried about using mechanicals, lighted knocks, you know, limiting um, muzzleloaders to using, you know, open breach, you know, whatever. We're... <laughs> We're just all about regulating ourselves, and, and we have some stuff going on in Oregon right now. You might be following this. Is, um, archery hunters have been fed with a silver spoon in Oregon for quite some, some time. You can hunt most of the state with a, just a general season bow tag. Well, those days are over. Um, the ODFNW is, is changing that, and now the Oregon east side of Oregon is all a draw, and the west side of Oregon is now general season. And now they're doing that for elk, or they're trying to do that for elk, and it's being pushed by non-science-based um, decisions. And a lot of it is, it, it feels like the ODFNW is trying to pit rifle hunters against bow hunters on this one, because we have such good seasons. 
we can hunt most of the state and rifle hunters they just can't do that they're they're in small zones right and units and and it just it feels like they're purposely pitting people against each other and it's like well they're two completely different things like we're hunting during fire season we may not even get a hunt for three weeks during that tag because the woods are shut down so uh i guess you know there's just so many different layers to it and everything man i just I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm venting a little bit here, but I just, <laughs> it just seems, it just seems so insurmountable. If we can't get our own stuff together, you know, how do we even fight the opposition? We don't. <laughs> we a can't. Simple answer. Yeah, we don't, and we can't. Um, so, yeah. Again, it's just, you know, again, you know, when you look at the rhetoric that we put across, the way that we talk to people in comments, kind of deal. And then I do the same thing with hunters, like the the post today that I mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that I got back about, oh, you missed the mark. Oh, you're such an, it's, this is an embarrassment. Those weren't non-hunters commenting on it. Those right. were hunters commenting on it. Right. And my rhetoric to them were like, it wasn't like, oh, you guys are idiots. You completely missed the, uh, you, you completely missed the, the reason why we created the post. Can't you see it? You damn idiots. Come on. Mm-hmm. It was more like, hey, good points. You know, I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, but this wasn't really designed for you. It was de- designed for non-hunters because they have this perception around who we are. Yeah. Um, so, but look, I, you know, thank you for the feedback and we'll attempt. And, and I think one of them, I, I ended by saying, we'll, we will strive to do better next time. Yeah. What do you say to that? You know, <laughs> no, he said, yes, I totally agree. Great answer. Great questions. Really? Yeah. It was like, you know, I'd flipped him essentially. I had taken him from his callous answer to, Oh, okay. Okay. I, I see what this guy's trying to do. So I, I guess Robbie, what, you know, we talked about kind of a little bit of doom and gloom here, but in, in your mind, what can we do to actually unify a bunch of people who essentially just shit on each other all the time? <laughs> You just can't agree on anything. What do you, what do you, is there anything that we can do to unify? Yeah, we can. Like you've seen it, man. You know, SB 252, California bears, everyone jumped up. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Tar in New Zealand, everyone jumped up. Um, there's certain things that just will get everyone on the same page uh, when it's mean, when it's meaningful enough. I think everyone will jump on the same page. I was thinking that same thing. Once you started mentioning those things, I'm like, maybe when when the opportunity of loss is so great is when people, they get scared enough. And I've always Hell heard, yeah. Yeah. I've You're always, about to lose bear hunting in California. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I've. That's, an, that's a big deal. Yeah. And they have a lot of bears. I mean, you see videos all the time of people's pets getting carried off by mountain lions and bears in trash cans and stuff. It's it's no good. And here in Oregon, man, we have more bears. Um, I was doing, I was reading the studies. We have more bears and antelope and bighorn sheep and mountain goats combined. <laughs> it's like, well, that's, that's you know, that's kind of unfair because antelope aren't. They're only on like half the state. But again, I mean that. I mean, we have a lot of bears. I mean, I've. I, I don't see as many bears as a lot of guys, but um, just this season I saw 32 or something like that. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I shot a good boar, but, I mean, that's a that's too many bears. The bear hunting is too good here. 
and and it just it just drives me nuts. And now, um, you know, it just it seems like ODF and W can't make a good decision if it slapped him in the face. We we went to a draw for Spring Bear, um, and you know, we really honestly, we should be going to a quota. We should be going to try to get management objectives. In my opinion here, but um, it's just it's just totally just doesn't seem right. And that kind of brings me in another area. I don't know how you're doing on time, uh, but I have, would, I would like to hit another area if you have time. Do right? it. Do it. So you hear the meat eater guys talk about the, and I'm going to throw the term. I forget. It's like a something megafauna. Um, it's a charismatic, charismatic megafauna. That's exactly what it is. How often do you actually run into that? Um, cause All I know, the time. I know with wolves, we have wolves here in Oregon and there was, we got it rammed down our throats. The feds rammed it down the state level th- throats and said, here you go. You manage them. And everybody blames the ODF and W. And so I did a wolf podcast, explained to how it all went down, but it, and that's what you want. That's what you want. You want state level management of wolves. You do, but everybody blames the ODF and W for now having wolves. And so it just, uh, it just causes more tension between okay. the hunters and ODF. Okay. I think okay. I think every state the hunters um think that their game management is the worst in the nation. I don't know. I don't know how Mississippi is, but I, I guarantee you <laughs> if you've had a vote uh, on it. Hunters are never gonna be happy. You're never gonna be happy. <laughs> That's right. Um so how do you get around the megafauna argument and or the charismatic megafauna argument or do you even get around that? And in what's your approach to that? I would just love to hear that. No, there's always going to be certain species that elicit a greater emotional response. And those are your charismatic megafauna. Wolves. You've never seen an animal that has more divisive of a community mm-hmm. from from one side of the people who think they're lovely and cuddly and they just want to snuggle into a wolf to the ones that couldn't stand a wolf and don't want to see another wolf on this planet. All right. Uh, wolves, bears, all your predators. Your predators typically elicit all these emotional responses. Lions, leopards. Uh, then you've got the big ones like elephants, obviously, and rhinos. Um, and so when it comes to hunting, you know, uh, you know, when you, uh, you I'll, I'll have to split it. When you talk about lions and leopards and elephants and rhinos and kind of thing, from a hunting perspective, the easiest answer there is very simple is that hunting is not a threat to those populations anywhere in Africa. Uh, It hasn't been, you know, IUCN has looked at all of these and hunting is not listed as a threat on any of those species. Hmm. Habitat loss is the number one threat on those species. And the second one is illegal offtake, i.e. poaching. Yeah, that's why. And both of those, and both of those two things are combated by what? Hunting, conservation. Hunting. Yeah. Keeping habitats intact, keeping habitats. And that's why when you, if you haven't listened to the podcast with Amy Dickman on Tuesday, she's a researcher out of England. Mm-hmm. She's a non-hunter, self-proclaimed bunny hugger, mm-hmm. but probably is one of our fiercest hunting advocates in Africa hmm. because she understands that that's the only viable model to keep large tracts of habitat in place that keeps these large species conglomerates around otherwise it'd be taken over by agriculture and all those all that wildlife is gone um when it comes to banning of those animals in africa it's very easy 
we don't have the information. I wish I did. I wish I had the documentary that shows it. But, you know, they, it's all good and well intentioned that when you ban trophy hunting for elephants, what you're saying is we're going to stop elephant killing. Yeah, we're going to save the elephants. Well, actually, you're not. You're actually signing the death warrant on probably thousands more elephants than would have ever been hunted hmm. or lions or leopards or any other wildlife. Uh, when it comes to bears and wolves, you know, it's, 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 it's almost a similar situation. You have to almost let the opposite occur, right? Mm -hmm. And somehow tell the story, like California banned mountain lion hunting. Why did they ban mountain lion hunting? Because they hated the fact that whatever it was, 100 mountain lions are being killed every year. How many mountain lions are killed this year in the state of California? I have no idea. Over a hundred, over the quota that used to be hunted. Hmm. How did they get killed? Professionally. Who killed them? Contract killers. Who paid for them? The taxpayer of California. That's a good point. So it's almost like you have to you have to almost tell the other side of the story to say, see? <laughs> right. I told you so. But that you don't want that scenario. Like in Africa, you don't want that scenario. Well, I remember, um, is it Cecil the lion or Cecil the lion? Um, Cecil, yeah. When, whenever yeah. he got killed, don't aren't isn't more lion or are there more lions dying now than before? But under the oh like, yeah yeah, like uh, it's it, but people don't want to hear about that. They just want to hear that they saved a lion. But in reality, you're hurting the species that you you covet so much. And I heard it put this way one time: is that if you don't have a value on something. People don't yeah. don't care. And like if you put a if it pays, it stays. If it pays, it stays. I've never heard that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if it pays, if it has value, it stays. Yeah. Let's use an example of the Markhor in Pakistan. Markhor back in you know twenty early two thousand, so like a couple of hundred Markhor near extinction, because the only value that a Markhor brought was was meat in a pot. Hmm. Okay. Today, there's, there's more than 3,500 markor in Pakistan. Why? Somebody because the male, markor goes, the male markor permit goes for 200,000 US dollars. What? <laughs> and people are willing to pay for it. I've never and even so those heard villages, of it. Those yeah. villages, you need to Google it. It's a beautiful animal. It's got the spiraled horns. It's, it's amazing. Probably some sort of ram or goat or something. Yeah, it's a goat. Yeah. Um, and those villages get their cut, their community cut of the permits is those, those communities are now generating close to a quarter million dollars a year by protecting that animal. That's crazy. So there's value in animals. There's value in wildlife. And, and if there's a value on that wildlife, people keep them around. Hmm. Uh, that's a good point. And I just, I feel like if we had, um, and not that you, this is your job or anything, but if we could come up with, you know, good talking points and, and I know a lot of folks live, love to listen to talking shows, liberal, Democrat, uh, conservative, whatever that you listen to that type of talking show a lot of times. So you can have good snappy comebacks, you know, to whoever is on your opposition. Right. I mean, I mean, I hear it all the time, talking points off of Fox news or Rush Limbaugh, or if you're listening to CNN, whatever it may be, whatever on, on the spectrum, Whenever you hear somebody arguing, I can tell you what you watch or who you follow just by listening to the, by the way you talk, you know, and it just, 
it's just, um, you know, hunting has a little bit of that and not that I don't even know if we need, do you think we need more of that? I mean, I don't know what you'd even call it, but it's, it's, um, it's just, no, you need the seeds. You need the facts. Yeah. Like, like I've just given you a bunch of facts that you had no idea about. Yeah, right. I don't even know how to Google that animal because I don't even know how to spell it. <laughs> M-A-R-K-H-O-R. Okay. I, okay. Mark whore. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I guarantee people are going to Google Don't say that. it like that. But <laughs> Well, um, I've kept you on here for almost an hour, man. I don't know. How, how long are your regular podcasts? I'm going to go back and listen to Amy's. You know, we like to tend, we'd like to keep ours really short, actually. We like to do the 30-minute, 25-minute to 30-minute podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's something that's a little bit more digestible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we get into some meaty conversations, it tends to get about an hour or so, hour and 15. Um, okay. It just depends. I'm not a big podcast. Like, I'm not a lengthy kind of podcaster. But Amy Dickman's is about 50 minutes, but it is. Amy Dickman has so many one-liners that is amazing. Like, I'll give you one that stuck out to me. She said, equating hunting to poaching is like calling shopping and shoplifting the same thing. (laughs) That's actually a really good metaphor. Perfect metaphor. Perfect metaphor. She has another another analogy in there about, I can't remember it now, about a doctor. And what would you prefer to go to? The doctor that has a great success rate but is an arrogant SOB? Or a doctor that really sucks in terms of his his ability to, you know, heal you, but he's just a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. The arrogant you guy. Go to the arrogant guy, mm-hmm. right? And so that's almost like the trophy hunting scenario. Would you prefer to get the guy who's, yeah, he's an arrogant SOB, he's going to go kill a bunch of stuff, but look at the money that he's pumping into conservation that you don't even know about. Right. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, I'll be listening to that when I go to the gym. I'm going to the gym here um, after I get off here. I'm going to be on at the gym for probably an hour, so I'll easily listen to that one. But uh, yeah, if, you'll love it. You'll love it. If you can, Robbie, leave uh, leave some folks some places to either get a hold of you, listen to your content. Um, you know, Instagram handles. Get, give them the gambit here so people can start following you for my podcast. Sure. Uh, firstly, I'd, I'd be remiss not to say thanks you to you to be a supporter of Blood Origins for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. I would love for your listeners to become supporters, $3, $4, $5 a month. Um, Yes, you're supporting our message and what we do, but because you've stepped up with that money, we put you in the draw for all sorts of goodies on a monthly basis. Hunts. I think the hunt in March is to South Africa, FYI. Um, We got a bunch of knives. We're going to have custom knives. We've got coffees and seasonings and you name it. I've got like, we've got like 67. You can go on our website and you can see all of the, the brands that have gotten behind us. I've got hunts in Spain. I think I've got like two or three hunts in Spain. Um, yeah, Sweet. exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just us thanking you. And it's a way for us to do that. So, yeah, become a supporter. You can go on our website, bloodorigins.org. You can find it right up on the front of the website. And then anything Blood Origins, Blood Origins, YouTube, Blood Origins, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you'll find us. Well, hey, I, I, I will echo this again. I think you do great work, Robbie. I really do appreciate what you do. And when you say a cup of coffee, you must uh, you must be getting different cups than my wife gets. She, you know, I call it five bucks instead of Starbucks, man, because she, 
the the ones I bought the other day for her cup of coffee was over five bucks. I mean, she listened to me over well, here. Well, then, then it must be. Then you need to you need to up your you need to up your supporter program to I five do. bucks. Then I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what: if you ever, um, if if you have you have you gone bear hunting ever? Have you done that yet? Or so it's an interesting. It's actually a sore topic of mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You know how you have a nemesis animal? Yep, elk. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been in Maine bear hunting mm-hmm. three times and Maine bear hunting is bait uh, in a tree stand. I think I've logged about 80 hours in a tree stand. Oh God. I have yet to kill a bear. Well, I will formally, if you want to come over here, I cannot guarantee you anything because it's hunting. But I will give you a uh, 99.9% chance that you will get a shot at a bear over here if you give me a 40, you know, 40 hour, you know, a, a five day time span. We'll get you a bear. So, and you can enjoy the uh, fruits of your labor. Spot and stalk? Spot and stalk only. We don't bait bears here in Oregon. Awesome. I look forward to it. I'll definitely so, take you up on that, Gary. Yeah. So, I will. But. All right, brother. Well, hey, I appreciate it, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's not make this the last time we talk. I'll be uh, definitely hitting you up for probably a future episode here, and and uh, again, thank you for all the work you do, brother. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you. I'm humbled and grateful. All right. Thanks, man. Cheers, mate. Bye. All right, everybody, that's this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Robbie, for coming on to the show. And be sure to go support him. Check him out on Instagram at Blood Origins. And uh, if you can, support him. You know, I think he has a great message. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, um, at least give him a follow on Instagram. He's about to break 46,000 followers, which I think is great. And um, help him, you know, share the message and, and just be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem, um, like, like we talked about in the podcast. So outside of that, guys, appreciate you for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.